Hey, welcome back to Pigeonhole Hockey. This is Chris, and today's co-host, Ben. What's up, Hockey Land? And you know us, we're just a washed-up goalie and a washed-up comedian that do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. So be sure to follow us on Twitter to let us know what you think, and also be sure to comment and share any hockey games, news, or videos we should cover in an upcoming podcast. So, Ben, on today's podcast, we kind of wanted to talk about fighting, because Sebastian and I dove into our thoughts on fighting about a week or two ago on one of the most recent podcasts, uh, but we didn't dive too deep. So this entire podcast is going to be about fighting in hockey. Should it be there? So let's just jump. Yeah. Sorry. I thought, I thought you were asking my bad. Okay. (laughs) Well, we know where you stand. Yes. Oh, it wasn't time yet. I did it again. Sorry. All right. So fighting in hockey. You agree with it? I, well, I mean, as a fan, I really enjoy it. And as somebody who's listened to you talk about fighting all the time, I think you enjoyed it. Yeah. So uh, I was thinking, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, sure. But, no, well, I think... but but I have questions about it. I have questions yeah, for, for you as somebody who's fought. I have I, Now, I've fought, but not in hockey. That doesn't. I'm not trying to say I'm some kind of weird you know, like underground fight club guy, but you know, like I do, I do like jujitsu and boxing and stuff. And, and I've been punched a lot, uh, yeah. in various times in my life. It, it's, it doesn't feel good. It, yeah, you can, if you were to look at me, I look, I look basically like a combination between a Picasso painting and a small child's crayon drawing where the child <laughs> coughed while he was drawing the outline. And then it, it just squiggles everywhere, but you still put it on the fridge cause you feel bad for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I can't say I'm that pretty either. So yeah. fighting. Here's the thing. I know you've been in fights before yeah. in hockey. Are you Not really fun. hurting each other that much? No, no. There's there's a code. But the code was broken with Emery, and I'm not even going to get into that. Emery. Oh yeah. You know. Yes. You know. And of course, like uh, you know, the attack on Brashear. You know, there's there's different things that just are unacceptable in hockey, and you can't break the code. Players not willing to fight. They shouldn't be. Uh, forced to if you're going to do something that's going to make somebody want to start hitting you then that's on you man like <laughs> I, i'm sure you know I, like i said i've been in several fights I, I haven't been in any fights since i stopped playing hockey which is good because off the ice it's usually just considered assault i absolutely 100 percent, especially as a hockey player believe that hockey has its or hockey hockey has its place in fighting and fighting has its place in hockey <laughs> What's that old joke? I went to a fight and hockey game broke out. Yeah, yeah, I remember that as a kid. Yeah, and so I think it absolutely, as a hockey player, I need to personally be able to send a message to anybody that wants to crash my crease that I will destroy them. And <laughs> because it's not like I, I'm just gonna, you know, oh, I just want to beat this guy up. No, no. It's to send a message so I can keep myself as a goalie healthy. If you want to get in my space, I'm going to make you feel that pain. If you want to try to crash my crease or after I cover the puck, knee me in the head, or after I cover the puck, slash at my gloves, well, it's it's about to hurt you way worse. And wait, wait. Really bad. Yeah, so, Chris, you're saying you don't want people to crash your crease. Correct. What about that one time in Vegas? <laughs> I don't even know where you're going, man. <laughs> So, I, I'm, so just gonna, I'm just going to assume that's a very interesting connotation. You tell me. I, I'm not the one crashing your crease. So, so I have uh, so two things I wanted to clarify for for the audience. 
your your reference to two issues or two instances where fighting was not good or <laughs> fighting was not good where fighting was uh, not kosher in the hockey sense and i know yes. one was when donald Brashear, i believe was fighting marty mcsorley yeah and this this was i believe in the late 90s early 2000s and they had been fighting and fighting and then marty mcsorley grabbed his stick and then in kind of a baseball motion hit donald Brashear in the side of the head and severely injured him when he wasn't looking up- when he was from behind and uh, ended up that ended Marty McSorley's career, Brashear recovered, went on to play more. Yeah, McSorley was carried off the ice by the police. By the police. So uh, clearly, if you're using a weapon, that's not what we're talking about. And then the Ray Emery, are you referring to when he like mobbed Braden Holpe? Yes. And did Holpe he do was other not stuff looking like for that? a fight. And, uh, no, here, here's the thing. I mean, normally Ray Emery was he knew who he was going to fight and stuff. I still loved when that Buffalo Sabres and Ottawa Senators brawl, that just massive grin on his face. And he threw some, but again, Barone took his mask off. Barone was ready to face off and Emery could have destroyed him way worse. But the second they were down, he stops throwing the punches. Cause that's the code. And then Barone like grabs his pad as he's standing up and makes him fall. I'm like, come on, man. That's, that's some, you know, that's some Phil Kessel crap. You know, when it came to the Ray Emery Brain Holpe battle, Holpe did not want to fight, just had to engage. And then when a guy has his back to you and you're hitting him in the back of the head as he's trying to get up, that's just that's just he needed to be attacked for that. Like, I don't care who attacked him at that point. I don't care if somebody jumped off the, uh, you know, jumped out of the stands and started beating him with his own shoe. You know what I mean? It's. I think that that was so classless, and he lost. I mean, he didn't really have my respect in the first place because I thought in the most points he, I just didn't like him. But he lost all my respect right there as a hockey player. He broke the code. There is a code. Okay, for example, again, we've talked about this, so I won't go into too much of a deep dive. But I was in Basingstoke, England, playing a game there. This guy was getting under my skin as he kept launching my defenseman on me after I covered the puck. And, of course, that can lead to an injury. You know, maybe one of my guy's skates slices my leg open or something. I wasn't cool with this guy doing it. So the guy told me his number. My defense was like, hey, it's, that's the guy. I'm like, okay, he does that again. I'm just taking him out. He did it again, like, a minute later. So I just jumped up and just started wailing on this guy, which if the goalie gets involved, everyone gets involved. So my whole team jumps in. I remember my buddy Phil he just grabs, you know, he just kind of breaks in and he just starts wailing. So another guy grabs me from behind. And so I just look at him and I just clock him. When I hit him, everything on his face said, I don't want to fight you, man. He was like, he's just one of the guys who just happened to be on the ice and is not a fighter. And there's a, the code at that point means I can't just start punching this guy. He pulled me off his teammate and he's not trying to engage. All he did was hold me because he knew I was just going to keep going. And, and the, of course, then the whole thing relaxed and everyone started pairing. The referees started, you know, moving, escorting this guy to the to the penalty box. And then I started attacking him again. So I got ejected. But, you know, it, it's one of those things. Like, I wasn't having a good game anyway. So I wasn't there. Yeah, I was just about to say, kids, don't be like Chris, you know? No, no, don't, honestly. But I built my reputation off that fight and another fight in England. Those were back-to-back games that I had the next fight in <laughs> Keynes. And, you know, that guy came up, and after I covered the puck, he literally just rammed his knee straight into my helmet. So I came up. With my blocker, and if anybody knows what a blocker's like base feels like, it's going to hurt. I came up under his jaw with my blocker with full force and started that fight there and swiftly got ejected again. But it's it's one of those things where it's just that's the game. But my reputation was 
pretty built there. And then, of course, I, you know, lumberjacked a lot of people's legs if they got anywhere near my crease because there's only one ref on the ice and no linesman. So. What, what does that mean to lumberjack somebody's legs? Basically, it means I'm taking my stick and I'm doing full swing towards their ankle okay. or the back of their calf. I want to make them feel pain. I want to drop them. And I did it to a lot of, lot of, lot of players. So, but that established the fact that, oh, when you play this guy, he's a, you know, he's a, he's going to hurt you. Stay away from him. But you know what that meant? I never got run into at that point. People didn't crash my crease. People came nowhere near. I got to play several years of uninjured, amazing, fun ice hockey. That's all I wanted because I got hurt in Canada. I got hurt again in England. People just come into the crease. So I'm like, no, I'm just going to be I'm just going hard at everyone. Like, I don't care if you're if you're anywhere near my crease, you're going to feel the pain. I'll take the penalties. I don't care. But again, built off that reputation, the refs also knew who I was. So I just had to make sure they weren't looking. And some some refs were way more visual than others. So I couldn't even push a guy because I know sometimes like they're everyone's moving into the crease, right? Because the plays in your zone is a power play or something. And these guys are literally just backing right into me in my crease. And I'd push them off and they'd be like, goalie. And it's like, what the hell? I can't even push them out. I'm not even swinging at them. I can't even push them out of my crease. They're in my crease. So and they call me a penalties. And I'm like, that's BS. So, okay. So what you're talking about seems like in many cases you are as a goalie striking yeah. somebody to kind of let protect your space and in your yes. in your it's not like i and yeah i'm not trying to go out there and injure people i'm not that big of a i'm actually a pretty nice guy so but when it comes to ice hockey that's where i get out my aggression and that way i'm i'm nice the rest of the time but, but, but so wait can I, the question i was going to ask is that's a that's a pretty specific situation for people at home or, or those that might not be super in the know about hockey, when when two guys are fighting and it's not what you just described where you're kind of hitting right. somebody through your blocker or trying to knock them over, what what is the conversation that typically happens that leads to the fight? And then when they're actually fighting, you know, there are rules, right? Like there's ways that you can and can't punch and you got to hold on to yeah. the guy. So, so what's the ritual look like when, when it's kind of like out on the ice? Uh, when it's kind of out on the ice, of course, there's it should have a context to it. Now, I agree with fighting in hockey, but I don't agree with all fighting in hockey. I don't believe in enforcers fighting enforcers to try to spike their team up. That can lead to concussions and that can lead to a lot of really, really sad situations like we've seen in the NHL with guys who can't recover from those concussions because those have long term effects. We see that with a lot of NFL players like Junior Seau. If fighting should just be there for the sake of fighting. It should be there as a deterrent. I used it as a deterrent. It should be there as a deterrent. So this way, I don't like Sidney Crosby. If you can listen to this podcast often, you know I really don't like the guy. But his career should never be ended by someone taking a cheap shot at him. Right. You know, taking a headshot, anything. Anything that would end his career early would be absolutely tragic. I need him in the NHL because I don't like him. And there's you got to have guys you don't like. That's You need a heel. You need a heel. Yeah. And so – for his career to end off of somebody just being immature or being overly aggressive or, or just careless, not, yeah, yeah, or careless, or just not playing smart hockey. So if they're if they're a Tom Wilson, that guy's probably one of the dumbest hockey players in the National Hockey League. And I'm a Caps fan, and I know you are too. And I will call him out. He just isn't that smart. He's super skilled, but he's he's an idiot as well. And he's just got to he's got to learn how to hit smarter and they need to keep suspending him longer and longer. The more and more dumb hits he takes. Um, 
because he shouldn't be able to end a Sidney Crosby's career based off of an idiotic hit. And it's going to be a Tom Wilson, if not himself, that's going to end some young player's career or even just cut a guy's uh, career short because he's just a stupid hockey player. Like, there's, there's no hockey sense to him. But that's why you need enforcers. You need enforcers because if somebody does that, somebody on Pittsburgh has to send that message. If you touch our player, you might get your face bashed in. You need that deterrent to stop stupid hockey players. But but I think when we say enforcer, I remember even 10 years ago, it was pretty common to have like a designated person on your team yep. that you Every sent out specifically to instigate or be really rough. Yep. And that role doesn't really exist anymore, very rarely, because often, you know, if you have one player whose only purpose is to rile stuff up, you're, you're going to lose out when the other team has an entire roster of really talented guys who can do a lot of different things. That right. said, there is still a bit of this uh, exactly what you're talking about, where you got to send a signal, you got to protect your superstars. So, so let's say you're you on the ice. You got to protect all your players, not even your superstars. You got to protect your demon. Yeah. You got to protect your offenseman. You got to protect your goalies. You got to protect the new kids stepping onto the ice. You got to protect the 31 year old third liner who is just an awesome role player. You got to protect everyone. And if you, people are going to take headshots, like again, what instigated that whole fight between the 06 brawl between Buffalo and Ottawa was the cheap shot by the enforcer, Chris Neal on the Buffalo Sabres captain at the time, Chris Drury, which led him bleeding on the ice. And I think he got concussed and everything. Uh, same thing with Milan Lucic with Boston running down Ryan Miller. Oh, I saw like that. He could have yeah. avoided it. You need enforcers to be able to. And at that point, I don't think Buffalo had an enforcer or whatever it was because no one was really able to take on Milan Lucic. When it goes back to that fight, again, where Emery fought Baran, and then Baran made him fall over. It was Buffalo Sabres at the time had uh, Andrew Peters on the team, and he came over and he started fighting Ray Emery. Now, in a case like that, again, I think we've talked about this previously. I understand why nobody on the Ottawa Senators came to defend their goalie. He's the toughest guy on the team. He was probably one of the toughest players in the National Hockey League. He could hold his own. He was a he boxed and everything in the offseason. He was like a semi-pro boxer. He was a tough, tough guy. He know how to he know how to take care of himself, but he's also buried down by all that equipment. So somebody, somebody should have jumped on there and defended him. But again, no one wanted to get their face bashed in by Andrew Peters. But every team had a tough guy at the time. So so let's yeah. role play for a minute. Go for it. Uh, Chris, you're in charge of the New Orleans zombies, or you're on the team, and I'm on the Waterloo. Water lilies. Okay. Sure. Water lilies. Cool. All right. I like so the water. It's Waterloo in New Orleans. And, and uh, you know what? You're, you've been taking some liberties with uh, a guy on my team. Okay. I feel, I feel like you, you hit him a little too hard, unnecessary. Uh, maybe maybe he just he was a little woozy when he got up. Now, you and I are, we're, let's say we're wingers. We're next to each other at the face-off circle. Okay. And I'm like, hey, Chris, I didn't like what you did to that guy. I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm, I, I want to fight you. Okay. Like, what does that conversation look like? All right. So... Hey Chris, I, yeah. I didn't like I didn't like what you did to my boy uh, Jimmy we'll, Smiths. We'll do the PG version because okay. there's always a ton of cussing in these scenarios. You're, and and you're do a Canadian crazy. accent because we're probably Canadian. Oh no, I'm not doing that. We I, I have Sebastian for that. He's got it down. Oh Chris, but, hey, you took some liberties there, pal, with my with my man Jimmy. Yeah, what you gonna do about it? What? I'll oh I'll I'll put up the fisticuffs. Are you man enough to, to face uh, <laughs> not how it goes. insult and injury? That's what I call my fists. 
it's usually a pretty short conversation and you know it's kind of coming. In a scenario like that where you're taking liberties with a guy, you're basically somebody saying something and it's starting to get heated. Uh, it depends on how often the liberties have been taken or if it was just one big cheap shot or whatever it is. There's usually not that much said. It's usually like along the lines of I'm going to F you up. Um, you know, it, it's dude, it could be anything. It depends on the it depends on the player. It depends on the personality. It depends on like what happened. What there's a lot. But basically, even without saying words, indicating I'm going to fight you is dropping the gloves and removing the helmet. That you don't need to say anything. There's got got to be some kind of because they're always like it depends. No, yeah, but it just depends. It depends on the personality. It depends on the player. Like the one thing. Oh hey, don't you make fun of Jack Jaw? You're really pickling my raspberries now, Chris. I'm gonna have to give you what for. (laughs) You first you hit my friend Jimmy. Now you're talking talking uh, some smack about Jack Johnson. No sir, that's that. That's not how the Timbits fall in this league. (laughs) Dude, I can't even do a fake Canadian. I can't do a. I can't do this. Good. This coffee's hot and it's about to go all over your face. Well, that's just assault. Oh no, it's it's metaphorical coffee. I'm talking about my fists. I got dairy and creamer ready to go. Well, maybe I'm allergic to coffee. Or maybe, well, if you're allergic to coffee, then I got Apocalypse and the Four Horsemen ready to lay down the the hurt on your world. I'm not really into horses, dude. Gin and twist. Is that alcohol? Uh, Holmes and Watson. Are you trying? Are you are you talking about alcohol on the ice? No, uh, no, that's my. You know what? Let's just do this thing. Punch, 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 and yeah, exactly. PG. <laughs> no, dude. I uh, th- the conversation could be just anything. All right. So we talked about setting up the fight. Other question for you. When when you got two guys, not you uppercutting a guy with your blocker like a sneaky Mortal Kombat character. When you got two guys dancing on the ice, is it true you have to hold like like one hand has to be on the other guy's sleeve or something? <sighs> Or is that just to steady yourself? It's 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 not like you're juking and jiving and trying to get him in his gut and everything. Everything just kind of stays at face level with one with one fist. You're not like, but again, there's nothing saying that you can't hit him with both fists. While while he's looking at the right one coming at him, you're jabbing him with your left one. Okay, so there is a code, but the code is really along the lines. Of you're not trying to kill the other guy. <laughs> you know, if you hit him and KO him, try to grab his jersey so that he doesn't fall and hit his head on the ice. Oh, yeah, they, they don't do the th- – yeah, that's true. I, I know it's – also, I've seen people after fights, like, shake hands and stuff. So sometimes it's very transactional. But, like yeah. – Which well, we is were- – what the, those are the fights that I don't agree with. Those seem like just straight-up transactional. We're going to – if you're fighting a guy, it should be to send a message, not like, hey, good game, good game. Like, but, no. It, you know. But that was going to be one of my questions. Like, there's a lot of pressure for new up-and-coming players, I think. I've heard this a lot, to try to make their mark and get their team's approval. And a lot of them, when they're brand new in a league, will try to engage in a fight to get that approval but uh, uh, associated with that i wanted to ask you so, so i want to hear about that but then also how is it different in the various levels of professionalism so for example nhl versus like say like uh, the ahl or some of the other leagues i would say that when it comes to the nhl there's definitely now especially now less fighting but you're talking about the echl the eihl the yeah. aihl the you know sphl the fhl you know, i think you made these... some of those up i didn't Oh, wow. Okay. Okay, you got the Federal Hockey League, the Federal Prospects Hockey League. You've got the Southern Professional Hockey League. You've got the e- Elite Coast Ice Hockey Ho- League. What's, What's e- ECHL's East Coast Hockey League, right? East Coast Hockey League. You've got right. the Continental Hockey League. You've got the National Women's Hockey League. 
You've got what else am I missing over there? I think I named all the pro leagues in North America, and then I threw in a couple European ones there. In terms of at least the lower level professional leagues in North America, there's definitely more fighting, but it's the same. It's the same rules because these guys also aren't getting paid anywhere near NHL level contracts. You're talking about guys in the NHL getting minimum of six hundred fifty thousand a year and upwards of over eleven million. Guys in the ECHL and HL, if this is their contracts and they're not actually part of an, an NHL team, like they're not signed onto an NHL team, they're probably making three to five hundred dollars a week while they're actively playing. That's it. So maybe they're making twelve hundred to two thousand dollars a month while they're actively playing. They're not making a lot of money. These guys aren't driving up in Benzes and with living in mansions. You know, a lot of these guys probably live with each other. You know, because it's expensive out there and these leagues don't pay that much. And if I'm wrong, hey, if you're one of these leagues, let me know. But it, well, as far as I'm aware, these guys do not make a lot of money. That's that's why they got to crash each other's crease. Yeah, but a- any, a- anyway, my point is, if you're one of these leagues and you're not making a lot, like, is there something to be said for trying to make a name for yourself by fighting? Like, is there ever a time? where No, because no. you got to be skilled, right? You got to be skilled to get up there. And here's the thing. Like, if the, the, the guys that are most likely to advance up are goalies. Because there's just not that many positions in the National Hockey League for goaltenders. Right now, when the when the Seattle Kraken enter the league, you're talking 64 guys can make the NHL roster. 64. That's it. In the entire world, 64 guys can actually crack an NHL roster. When you're talking the rest of these teams, I'm not doing the math, but you've got to be able to make a name for yourself as a skilled goal scorer, a, a hockey intelligent player to be able to advance up from these leagues and get an NHL contract. Cause it doesn't happen for a lot of guys. It happens and it happens every season, but it just doesn't happen for a lot of them. You know, that's why a lot of these goalies will be signed on as, you know, they might be part of the, you know, uh, Minnesota wild farm system, but they're playing down in you know, team X, or at least I can say here for like the Utah Grizzlies. I think now we're associated with, the Colorado Avalanche, I think a couple seasons ago, it was the Anaheim Ducks. So, But you'll have guys that are signed on NHL contracts playing in the ECHL because there's no room for them in the NHL or the AHL, so they're playing in the ECHL. But it's, shoot, in a week, they could be playing in the National Hockey League. But that's a lot more difficult for these other guys, and fighting is not going to get you, not going to get you there. Like if you just happen to be really really strong guy and can make a name for yourself with that, you still got to have enough talent to be called up to yeah. the National Hockey League. They're, they're not looking for guys just to bash in other guys' faces. What, they want somebody who's actually an intelligent hockey player and a skilled hockey player as well. So so what about, you mentioned North America. Like, how is this really uh, different, if it is, from Europe or other leagues? I don't, I mean, from watching the Elite Ice Hockey League out of England, it's pretty equivalent in terms of my thought process to, like, the uh, AHL, ECHL level players in terms of in the same type of code of the Australian ice hockey league. I see kind of the same stuff. There's still that code. I would say that there is, I can't say there's less fighting in the European leagues or, or the, you know, the continental hockey league or these other leagues. I think there's a, there's still a, a respectable amount, but also I don't think there's just, especially in Europe, there's not just guys looking to bash each other's faces. in. it's about getting that skill. It's fighting's there. It's definitely there, but everybody wants to advance up and, yeah, there's not that we're, we're changing in the world and there's just not going to be as many spaces on NHL rosters for guys who can fight. You got to be if you're a guy like Tom Wilson, like I said, he's 
not the smartest, but he's definitely crazy skilled. But that's the thing. Like, do you want to fight Tom Wilson? I don't. He's a tough, tough guy. And But the other thing is, he's also extremely talented. So they kind of win on that. And that's what the NHL wants. And the NHL, if you're looking to make an NHL roster, you got to have that Tom Wilson level talent. Yeah, you, you got to be able to at least crack their fourth line, man. <laughs> you know, they're not just looking for goons anymore. They're really not. They're there. Teams have them. But they're just, if you've noticed, and me and you definitely noticed in the last 10 years, the goons have all but disappeared. You have hockey players that are skilled and, and can still be a tough guy. Like, look at guys like Jerome McGinley, like one of the best players in the National Hockey League ever. And he was still tough enough to fight despite being like the most skilled player on the team and the team captain. You had guys like that. You had guys like LeCavalier. You had these guys. So you don't need so many goons because, you know, like, especially if you're playing Calgary and you mess with one of the Flames, man, you're going to get the captain after you. You didn't have to worry about a goon. I mean, they had him, but if Aginla was on the ice, he wasn't going to back down from that. He was going to get you. And that's what the NHL wants. The NHL wants the guy, at least a couple guys on the team to be able to send that message, but they're not looking up for straight goons. They're not looking for that. So, so we talked a little bit about the culture. We talked about the tradition. We talked about the actual kind of back and forth interaction that leads to a fight. When you're fighting, I've seen uh, haymakers. Yeah. I've seen jabs and, and kind of cross punches. I've seen an uppercut or two. Right. Is there anything that's completely off limits? Obviously, no eye gouging, no no below the belt. The, the, the typical stuff. It's still a, it's still a. I won't say a gentleman bat, but it is. It's there's still a code. Obviously, you're not looking to injure the guy or end his career. That's the rule. You can't use your stick. That's a weapon. So how Phil Kessel wasn't suspended for slashing John Scott from behind back in the day, I don't understand. But you can't use your stick as a weapon. You can be arrested for it like McSorley was. It's a weapon. You can't use your stick as a weapon. So you can't use your stick as a weapon. You can't, like you said, eye gouge. You're not looking to kill the guy. You're looking to knock him out for sure. Hell yeah. But you're also, when he's when he, when he KOs, you're not looking for his head to crash against the Again, you're not looking to kill him. You're just looking to win that fight uh, right. and send that message. And that's that's why I think hockey needs to keep fighting. You need guys who can send a message, protect the ultra skilled Crosby's, McDavid's and such that aren't fighters. But you want them in the National Hockey League because you love to watch just their their pure talent. You don't want to see their careers ended early because of just a stupid, stupid message sending hit. We're going to scare this guy off his skates. And then you end up, you know, ending his career, you know, like, look at God, who was it, Eric Lindros? Oh, he got, did he get, oh, he got beat up by, was it Chelios? I think he ended up having like a wicked cheap shot and that just started all of his problems, man. Yeah. With the concussions. Yeah. And that, he should have been in the league for a way longer and had may, way more records than he did. But, but again, that's, that's the way you need goons because Lindros was just a target and you, you don't want these wicked hits just taking out careers, man. You don't want that. So that's right. why I think it needs to stay. So, so we're close to the end here. I know we were coming yeah. up on, I, I wanted to do one little exercise if I could. Okay. So, so you and I agree fighting should be in, but a lot of people don't. And I think, look, if you want to get rid of fighting, you got to replace it with something. Well, here's one area I do agree that fighting should be completely eliminated. On anything that's under, it was basically under age of 16, there should be zero fighting in those leagues. Zero. Not tolerated. Yeah, I, I agree. But, um, but let's... And then honestly, once they hit the, the, like, the USPH level, OHL level type leagues where they're 16 to 20, 
I think it can be there, but heavily restricted. And I like the way the USPHL says you can fight, but you're going to be suspended the next game, regardless of who started it. You can get involved in a fight, you know you're out at the next game. And a lot of players don't want to take that risk. This is potential career. So I like 16 to 21, you know, they're... Uh, I think most of the leagues, uh, the junior leagues in the world, have that age range. So you say no fighting under 16, but here's yep. my thing. If you're going to get rid of fighting, yep, got to replace it with something because you got to release the tension. you got to send a signal. So I have a couple ideas. I'm just going to pitch them, and then all I want to hear from you, 1 to 10, how good an idea do you think it is? Okay, go. Ready? Yep. Dance off. Both players have to do figure skating in the middle of the ice, and whichever one wins, the, the other one suffers a humiliating defeat. I love it. Okay, 1 to 10. I give that one a solid eight. Solid eight. Okay, dice off. Referee comes by with two dice, and they got to shoot dice. Zero. I don't like it. I think it's terrible. Uh, okay, drift off. You get two go-karts, and they got a Tokyo drift around the ice. Whoever loses is out of the game. Ooh. Okay, seven. Not not as good as the dance-off, but I like it. Uh, hot dog eating competition. They bring out two balls. Whoever can stuff the most wieners down their pie hole that's the winner. The other team is humiliated and defeated. Too many connotations. I'd go with a different food. You, I, you would, I would go with if, if you want, like, of course, it's got to be an arena food. Like like Timbits? It depends because we don't have Timbits down here. Okay, we got to get them. Does Dunkin' Donut have, like, holes or something? What are of course, they called? Donut, it's called Donut Holes. Donut Holes. There you go. Yeah, you're going to crash your crease with some Donut Holes. Okay, next one. Rock'em Sock'em Robot Battle? No, I give that one a three. Horseback Mounted Jousting. Ooh, you might have a winner there. I like that one. That's a that's that's a ten. Where would you do it? Like the horses on the ice? Like maybe instead of actual horses, they could have like skate horses that are like projected. And yeah, I like that one. Two options: either another player has to loft you onto their shoulders, or yeah, horses on the ice because you already got the ice clue to clean up the the poop. Yeah, and you got to do the you got to it's got to be chest only. You can't hit headshots. Headshots is an automatic uh, season suspension. Next, you ready? Yeah, go for it. Portrait caricature of the referee contest? No. Thumb war? Mm, yes. Yes, that's a solid eight. Uh, arm wrestle? Eh, six. Arm wrestle on top of your mascot? That's an eight. Chili cook-off? No. No, it takes too much time. Biathlon? What is that? You got to ski and then shoot a gun or something. No, no, too much time. As if this is an ancient Viking tradition. Each person gets a stick and gets to whack the other person in their cup until they quit and can't take it anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, hockey players want kids. Uh, epic rap battle? I think that one's dated, so I'm going to give it a five. How about a uh, the last one? Interpretive dance. The audience votes on who wins and who doesn't win gets eliminated from the island. Again, another eight. So, some good another options eight. there. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm, yeah. No, I think there's definitely some opportunities there for replacements. I tell you what, I think that the the jousting one wins. The dance-off's pretty close, man. But, uh, yeah, I think that the jousting wins. Hey, everyone vote. I think we'll have to hear what the top choices were. And after the podcast, we'll have a little voting thing on what could replace fighting in hockey. And I honestly think jousting and the dance-off are definitely in there. And what was the others? Because I don't think Twitter allows too many choices. So, so you, liked the, you liked those two. Uh, I think you liked a thumb war. Yes, thumb war. That's a good one. You didn't like the chili cook-off. No, it takes too much time. You didn't like the interpretive dancing. Yeah, no, that one I gave an eight, but not as good as just regular dance-off. I think those those are three. You got a dance-off, you got jousting. And a thumb war. And a thumb war. All right, well, we'll ask the, uh, we'll ask the audience. And then we'll maybe, put in one of the ones I thought was terrible. Which one did I give a zero? Oh, you liked the Tokyo Drift-Off. 
Yes. Oh, yes. Tokyo Drift Off. That's the fourth one. That's it's it. We're in Tokyo Drift Off. Thank you all for listening. Again, this is Pigeonhole Hockey. This is Chris and Ben. Have a great one, everyone. And we'll catch you next time. I still think Justin's good. <laughs> of course he would. Okay, people. I think Justin would win. Good night.